0: Today's message was recorded live at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church of Louisville, Kentucky, a safe environment where people relationships become kingdom relationships. Find us online at www.friendlychurch.com. I asked my deacons to pass out the bulletin inserts, the study guides, I should say, the study guides for this lesson and a blank piece of paper. Hold on to that blank piece of paper as if it was your life because actually it is your life. You'll see that later on. With the Basham situation this morning with Donna dying, families struggling to survive and make it even as we speak this, this moment Somebody else is in the hospital waiting surgery. And I witnessed a lot of confusion this week, too, in other people. I tell you what, do we have problems? Yes, we do. But we also do have hope. We all have problems. Yes, we all. And if you've attended any of these lessons... Part of this series, this is our last, and in your bulletin you also have the brochure of Roger Hernandez, because this series was brought to you by Southern Union, Ministerial Department and LEAD, Leadership, Evangelism, Accountability, Diversity, and they are authored, inspired by Roger Hernandez, who is the lead of that department. Each lesson contains, as you know, four sections based on the acronym HOPE. We start with here, the introductory part, with a thought, a scripture, or a story. And then we open God's Word to focus on a specific topic of that particular day. And then we go to practice because as Anton Chekhov said, knowledge is of no value unless you put it into practice. And the empower part actually closes, connect, ends the lesson and connects the lesson with the good news of the gospel. And also the last part of the lesson end this lesson today it connects us with the gospel with the gospel of Jesus Christ and today today's topic <clears throat> and if you have any questions you can address them to lightyourhope at yahoo.com today's lesson we all have problems and hope frenemies let's pray gracious father I ask that this morning you will give me a double portion of your wisdom and grace. And the words that you have prepared to be spoken will be spoken. And I pray for the hearts that are here today to be open to receive your word. And to receive you into themselves as the seeds of truth. And as these seeds of truth sprung up. I pray that you'll bring fruit unto your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Did you hear what happened Wednesday? Did you? It's a major event in the history of evangelical community in evangelical Christianity. Did you hear what happened? Yes. Billy Graham, the famous evangelist. Died this past weekend. Um, he was born on November 7, 1918, and died this past weekend, February 21st, 2018. Just a few more months separated him from being 100 years old. Wow. Very fine man, a man of God, a man whom God used to bring the knowledge of the good news of salvation to literally millions of people. And we are here this morning at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church. A safe environment where people relationships become kingdom relationships. And we are the friendly church You can find us on the web at www.friendlychurch.com. www.friendlychurch.com We are about relationships, healthy relationships. Did you know that Billy Graham said something about God in our church? He said this. God is more interested in your future and your relationships than you are. The famous preacher Billy Graham said that God is more interested in our relationships than we are. You know, we are about relationships, but sometimes we forget what we're all about. My friends, God is about relationships. He is a relational, three-in-one God, and He created us in His image. We are created for relationships. In fact, relationships determine and enlarge who we are as human beings. I found this post online as I was studying for this lesson. Whoever wrote it is very honest about our current human condition. He wrote this. I don't know about you, he says, but I feel more and more alone in this world where people are no longer willing to communicate at a personal level. Instead, they choose to hide behind a screen and act human when in fact they're becoming more and more like robots. Wow. It may be surprising... To some, but the Bible has something to say about relationships. God is the designer of our relationships, and we look to some practical advice this morning about relationships as you surround yourself with friends. There is no question that as you live your life, you will make Friends. Here is the first advice or fact about friends and friendships. Number one, choose friends wisely. The righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the weekend leads them astray. That's Solomon saying there. We need to mingle as Jesus mingled, with everyone, with no distinction. But we must be very wise with whom we establish deep friendships. Praying to his heavenly father about his discipleships, and including you and me this morning, who claim to be his disciples, Jesus said this, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. That's John 17, 15 to 16. And the reality reality is this. You can only get into a very deep connecting relationships with a few. There you go. The first word highlighted there. Actually, choose. Actually, it's highlighted too. As you know... With our study guides, the words that are underlined are the words that you need to fill in your study guide. From personal experience, I have established over the course of the five to seven years of my life close, close relationships with some men of God whom I know and they know me just as God does. However... These men became part of my close circle of friendship after lots of prayer and careful consideration. We must be careful whom you let into your inner circle. Friends can build you up, and friends can take you down, or at least create problems. Can you remember a time when your poorly chosen friend caused you problems? Huh. <laughs> I can. Number two fact about friendship and relationships. Understand the frailty of the human condition. David, in Psalm 41, 9, says, Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, he lifted up his heel against me. What David is saying here, there is no perfect friend. Considering our faulty human nature, even the best of relationships can end on a sour note. Paul David Tripp, in his book, What Did You Expect? Speaking of the reality of marriage relationship, he outlines principles that are true for any human relationship. And he says, it won't take long for you to be disappointed in relationships. It won't take long for your dreams to be dashed. The reality is that you can't, that is, you cannot escape the brokenness of this world. You won't be able to avoid the sin that is manifested in relationships. The Bible teaches that we all bring something destructive into our relationship, something the Bible calls sin. But as Paul David Tripp explains, we buy into the delusion that our biggest problem is outside of us. We blame our spouse or we blame our friend. We blame our circumstances. We rarely take seriously the nature of our own sin. What did you expect? Did you expect to be exempt from the brokenness and the sin that is in the world? Indeed, it does manifest itself. And I should, I, I should say, it is magnified in relationships. Take responsibility. So advice... Or fact number two about friends and friendships is understand the frailty of human condition. And three, avoid gossip. Roger Hernandez says in his booklet, gossip is one of the surefire ways of killing your friendships. And Solomon says, a perverse man sows strife and a whisperer separates the best of friends. I'm glad. I'm glad the translator of Solomon used the word whisperer. See, many times we think, If I whisper things about my friend behind his or her back, he or she won't hear. Guess what? You have heard it said Even the walls have ears. Best advice about gossip? Don't do it. If your friend is not present, don't talk about him or her. It is gossip, and it will damage your friendship, even if you speak good about your friend. Not present? Don't talk. Don't whisper. Just don't. Wow. From the womb, Connor and Piton have been best friends. They were inseparable and could not imagine life without one another. But time passed, and relationships changed. Suddenly, the small things were the big things, and the big things were the deal breakers. Piton couldn't recognize her friend as she became more popular, and Connor couldn't understand her aversion to people now. Their differences separated them, and their similarities confused them. They were no longer friends. No talks, no texts, no jokes, no nothing. They were now enemies. I know it's tragic and hurtful, but sometimes enemies could be those in our own household. Jesus said it. When Jesus was speaking about the difference that truth does when it comes into a household, He says this, A man's enemies will be those of his own household. Matthew 10, 36. That's fact number four about relationships. I hope none of us experience the sad reality of that situation. But if you did, if your friends have turned into enemies... Does the Bible offer any advice as to how to behave in such case? Well, instead of holding grudge and get back at them, David says, Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. In you I take shelter. Now one can better understand what it means to have your friends turning into enemies than David. David. He had his brothers, then he had the king, and then he had his sons. They all turned into his enemies. And David's advice, in situation where those of your household have turned against you, he says, don't run at them. Run to God. Take shelter in the Lord. So... What do we take from this lesson for our day-to-day life? Can we take anything? Oh yes, we can. Those around us are usually most like us. Your friendships can be a source of the great can be the source of the greatest pain or the most amazing joy. Here are some practical questions to ask yourself when Selecting friends. Number one. Is my friend bringing me closer to God? If your ultimate objective is to get closer to Jesus, then your friend can help or can harm that goal. Solomon tells us, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. This means that friends... Have a chance to either help us, to help us grow spiritually in our spiritual walk, or lead us away from God. Question number two, when you consider selecting your friend, is my friend drawing me closer to my goals? One way of getting ahead in your life is by having specific, measurable, reachable goals. Do you have any goals? What your career, career would be like. What your marriage will be like. What, where do you want to be? Where does God want you to be in 5 to 10 years? Are your friends holding you back? Or are they pushing you forward towards your goal? Question number three when selecting friends. Is my friend getting closer to me only because of what he or she can get out of me? See, some friends are only interested in what they can get from you. Others are very needy and want you so they can unload on you. Both of these kind of friends are takers, not givers. How can you help your needy, selfish friend stand on his or her own and be a giver as well as a taker? I tell you how. Remember, we learned about failure two weeks ago, and I presented presented the only two ways, the only two options we have as we live this life, the only two options we have in friendships and relationships. Dr. Stephen Cardman came up with what we now call the drama triangle. Some counseling therapists call this the triangle of relationships. You can live in the healthy or the unhealthy one. In the unhealthy triangle, one plays the roles of a victim, or a villain, or a rescuer. All of them are in the unhealthy triangle. When you constantly help your friend, and he or she is always taking, you are playing the rescuer role, and they play the victim. So you're in the wrong triangle. The reality is it won't be long before you feel like a victim yourself, victimized by the one you're helping, and they become villains in your eyes. So you're still in the wrong triangle. In this unhealthy triangle of relationship, people always play play the blame game. And don't take full responsibility of their actions. And as a result, they live a miserable life. It's an unfortunate, sad situation. The healthy triangle, on the other hand, is where you take responsibility. You take care of yourself. You have options and negotiations. You set boundaries and implement them. The Bible teaches us that blaming is not good. You know, we talked about that two weeks ago. Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the serpent, and uh, it doesn't go anywhere. It's not working. So watch out in what triangle we're living. And please choose to live in the good one, the right one. I like this quote. It comes from the book Alter Ego says, if you're a Christian, you are not a victim. Through the power of the risen Christ, you are a victor. Wow! Through the power of Jesus, you can live a victorious life. You can't stay in that wrong triangle. The devil wants to keep you there. Because statistically speaking, there is evidence... Based on statistics, when you live in the wrong, in the unhealthy triangle, you cannot make right decisions. No, you can't. And that's where the devil wants to keep you because he knows he has control of you. But when you know who you are and when you know that God loves you and when you want to live a healthy life, then he doesn't have control over you because you're surrendered. And we're going to go to that part in just a moment, too. Now, as you deal with people who don't like you, think of the following things. Number one, don't remember. A common response to an offense is to hold on to the pain caused by it. Right? But this does not help anyone. Especially the one who holds a grudge. Holding on to resentment is like taking poison and wishing the other person to die. It's not going to hurt them. It's going to hurt you. Wow. Think about that. What can you do? Give it to God instead. Do you have any resentments against anyone this morning? Well, in just a few minutes, we're gonna have, you're going to have an opportunity... To literally solve that. When dealing with people who don't like you, don't relate. One of the most disturbing facts about people who are dealing with haters in their life is their desire to continue to relate with people who cause them pain. Either by actions or words. Instead... Find new friends. Go outside your circle. Don't continue in a relationship with unhealthy people. Stay in the healthy triangle. Are there individuals in your life that you need to cut ties? Think about that. When dealing with people who don't like you, don't retaliate. Vengeance is God's. Apostle Paul, writing to the Roman church and quoting Moses, he wrote this. Romans 12, verse 9. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to rats. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. He is a just judge who will pay according to people's actions. So resist the urge to treat people with the same hate they treat you. Remember, people who hate usually don't love themselves. Are you in a situation to retaliate? What other actions can you take that will bring glory to God and build you up? up? Well... People will never meet all our expectations. People will never meet your expectations. Friends or foe, they all are sure to disappoint you. The question I raise today is who can you really trust that actually has called you friend? Who can you? John 15:15 15, 15. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. Who is speaking here? Jesus. Jesus. He is your friend. And today, this friend invites you at this table, at the communion table. And I ask the deacons now and the deaconesses to come and help with the communion. He wants to dine with you. But before you do so... He wants you to have you can say He wants you to have a full total complete surrender See many times when we think of surrender we think of letting go of the bad stuff the things we know it's not according to the standard of God's living the sin in our life We think, yeah, when we think surrender, we think of that. But total surrender encompasses the entire being, the bad and the good side of our being. We need to surrender to God, the entire being. We have nothing of ourselves. Jesus said, "Without me, you can do nothing." See, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed to God and asked if this cup, what he was going to go through, could be taken away from him. However, do you remember how he finished his prayer? Nor my will, but your will be done. When Jesus surrendered to God's will, what did he surrender? Unlike us, he surrendered a blameless, sinless life. The good and the perfect life of Christ. He surrendered that. Today, you have in your hands... I don't have one here. But you should have a blank piece of paper. You should have a blank piece of paper. Which represents your life. That's why I asked you to hold it very carefully. Because that's your life this morning. On that piece of paper... There are good things and bad things from your life. I would like to invite you to give it all to God this morning, today. And here is how you do it. See, I have here on your right... Because I wanted to have it on your right. Right is always right. I have here on your, on your right the cross, as a symbol of the one with capital O who changed the world for better, who gave you a second chance. And I have here on your left a TV set, which is the symbol of the world, the bad, the ugly, the unwanted stuff in your life. I want you to dissect your life in your mind and with that piece of paper. And you can rip it apart thinking of the bad stuff and the good stuff in your life. And this is how you're going to do it. You'll rip that blank piece of paper. In one pile, you'll have the sins, the ugly, the things you want to let go of. And you will drop that in the basket that is right before that TV set right there. You let that go with the world. Give it back to Satan. Let it go with him. And here you will come and drop surrendering. Where is my basket? Somebody took the other basket from here. And on this basket at the foot of the cross, you will surrender the good things in your life. You will surrender the talents and the gifts that God gave you. So we will take a few minutes as you prayerfully, completely surrender to God.